Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning, 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific, and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Compiling 12 years of footage shot in his hometown of Rockford, Illinois, in Minding the Gap, Bing Lu searches for correlations between his skateboarder friends, turbulent upbringings, and the complexities of modern-day masculinity. As the film unfolds, Bing captures 23-year-old Zach's tumultuous relationship as it deteriorates with his girlfriend after the birth of their son and 17-year-old Pierre struggling with his racial identity as he faces new responsibilities following the death of his own father, as well as Bing's own journey in regard to his mother and their relationship and their journey. It's a lot. There's a lot in this film. It's a wonderful film. It's it's nuanced. It's it's layered. It is about a lot of things that are so relevant to our conversation when it comes to relationships and our culture and our society and a lot of other things. But at the end of the day, it's a very insightful film about these Young men, and the film is called Minding the Gap, and we're fortunate to have with us today the director of Minding the Gap, and that would be Bing Lu. Bing, welcome to Film School. All right, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. the uh, The film has been um, just an amazing sort of trajectory in terms of its recognition as a as a documentary film. So I just want to kind of touch on this because this what feels like started out as kind of a personal project has morphed into something a lot more than that. Tell me a little bit about where you were when you started to film your friends skateboarding around Rockford, Illinois. It actually started as a project that I went around the country doing when I was 24. I was interviewing skateboarders I'd met over the years because I'd been skateboarding since I was 12 about their families, their inner feelings, you know, their, their childhood. And, um, you know, it confirmed these patterns that I had witnessed growing up um, of dysfunction at home, of a lot of mental health issues. And it wasn't until a year in when I went back to Rockford, where I uh, spent my formative years and um, interviewed someone who I didn't really know um, because he was seven or eight years younger than me, but he knew who I was. Um, And I interviewed him because he was the only black skateboarder in this group of white friends. And in that interview, I saw a younger version of myself. Um, Shortly after, I started following uh, the de facto leader of this friend group in Rockford uh, named Zach. And uh, he was becoming a young father. He was, you know, son has not been born yet, but he was about to start on that journey. He was 23 at the time. So that was sort of the, that was sort of the first year and a half of the project. Mm-hmm. Then the connection was there are skateboarders and you yourself from the film look to be a very good skateboarder yourself. I don't want to extrapolate too much here, but is there something specific about the skateboarding culture or is or or are you making a, a larger point with this film which is it is about young men who are sort of feeling their way towards adulthood? Or what is, is there a common thread? Am I, am I reaching here um, for a common thread? Um, it's not reaching. I think it's just about sort of 
not zooming out enough. The men in these films, there's millions of them, and they don't all skateboard. Right. Um, these guys just happen to skateboard because they found it because of a certain number of factors that led them to it. You know, one thing I would say is this: in in other quote in other quote unquote sports, you know, there's structure to them. Parents are maybe pushing their children to do them. There's societal value in them. There's not a lot of value that society places on skateboarding. In order to get good at it, you have to be driven by something really internal. And I think that has a lot to do with why um, I and um, some of the other guys in this film skateboard. At what point in the filming of this did you see a bigger picture? Did you, and how did that, how did you, what was your initial reaction? And for people who are listening or filmmakers, how did you know when you felt like I am onto something that is bigger than myself and it's a bigger story that needs to be told? I think it was probably within that first year of filming before I'd met the two central characters who would ultimately become, who would ultimately would, you know, be the central threads of the film. I mean, I was talking to 45 year old moms who are skateboarders who had never talked about abuse before, mm-hmm. you know, that they had experienced. Um, I was talking to black skateboard, a black skateboarder in St. Louis who got beat up when he was growing up because he got called white boy by his black friends. Um, you know, I was talking to somebody from Portland, Oregon, who discovered that his father was gay after many years, and it, it explained to him why he had such a fraught relationship with his father. I mean, there were a lot of things that were going on at home that just didn't make sense to a lot of skateboarders of all different demographics. And, you know, for some reason, skateboarding gives you a sense of control and a sense, and a sense of, you know, volition in, in making sense of at least something. Skateboarding is both chaotic, but also abides by very specific rules of physics. For one example, if you fall, then, you know, you get hurt and you feel pain. At least you can control that pain. Whereas, you know, at home, maybe you can't control that pain. So this is all just sort of a you know long-winded answer in sort of drawing a lot of these very sort of disparate patterns and connections together that ultimately I wanted to tell in a verite character-driven way where characters' lives would be followed. And out of that, these things I just talked about, they're very explicit, would come out more organically. I skateboarded when I was younger. And my sense of what you're saying that I can relate to is on a skateboard, there is a sense of freedom. You're, you're, you're self-propelled, so it's all about you and your, and your... It's also all about your willingness to push yourself to a certain point of danger. And almost inevitably, I don't care if you're a beginner, intermediate, or an advanced skateboarder, there's something about you and this relationship to balance on that board, as well as your, your affinity for being able to absorb pain because it's inevitable as part of the part of what you're doing and in the film i think those are characteristics that as you described that that the that these people in the film have in common and as just as a side note i went in watching the film right after there was a couple of instances in the film where right after a fairly traumatic event occurs in the in the film we see Zach jump on a skateboard. We see Pierre jump on a skateboard. And they skateboard, in the film anyway, with a certain sort of ferocity, a certain abandon. And I, again, I, I hope I'm not reaching too far here, but my my description, my own personal um, relationship to, to that skateboarding, does that sound fair? 
Yeah, skate, you know, I think one thing that is so hard to define about skateboarding is that I think it's it's really just an instrument. Yeah, it's sort of the same thing as a piano, and it's and it's like a magical looking glass. It's like you bring who you are outside of skateboarding to it. Yeah. You know, skateboarding, the skateboard is just a wooden toy with four wheels. You know, we ascribe so much to it, but really, you know, like if you really want to express anger, you're going to skate really angrily. If you're a weirdo artsy person, you're going to skate and do really weirdo artsy tricks that you know, are surprising and weird. Um, so I've experienced so many different emotions on a skateboard. And yeah, most of the time it's very freeing, but sometimes it's frustrating. Sometimes it makes me sad. It's an instrument more than it is, you know, something that does something to you. I want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with Bing Lu. He's the director of a documentary that's coming out today. It's called Minding the Gap. And uh, I alluded to it earlier. I didn't really follow through on the recognition that the film has received. It won the Special Jury Award for Breakthrough Filmmaking at the 2018 Sundance Film Festival. It also won an Audience Award at Full Frame Documentary Film Festival. It has won a slew of of uh, awards through this uh, last year or so in, in the realm of uh, festivals. Just in terms of your this relatively rapid ascent into, uh, into the realm of uh, filmmaking, in terms of what you're taking away from this ride that you're on right now, uh, what do you what are you sort of feeling as a as a filmmaker and as as someone? I I don't think in your wildest expectations you expected a lot of this to be happening. Well, maybe you did. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're really right. But I think you know early on I learned that in my wildest expectations I didn't expect a, a lot to happen. Um, I mean I moved from China when I was five to Alabama. Um, I didn't expect that to happen. Um, <laughs> I moved to LA a year later, then Rockford, Illinois a year later, you know, and then I started skateboarding and then I, you know, when I was 14, I got a camera and I was making videos. And then a couple of years later, I like made a video that like a lot of people were seeing. When I was 19, I got a job as a production assistant and it was like, oh, I can get paid $50 a day to, to fetch coffee and carry camera cases up a hill. Like that, even that was just like, oh my God, this is, you know, like growing up in Rockford, there wasn't much, like the film industry seemed like such a distant mirage, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It never felt feasible. So even getting that a production assistant job is just mind blowing. So this is, I think, another sort of step in that staircase of just like, wow, that's, this is real. Like I'm actually like, like we got into Sundance, you know? And then, and then you get the award and then, you know, it's sort of snowballing from there. And and the film, just for people who do care about this, it's 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. So there's one gauge, for an easy gauge for people to understand. Uh, I, I, I want to go back to uh, sort of the broader picture, the broader uh, sort of what your stories, Zach's stories and others in the film uh, um, sort of shine a light on. I, I don't think we're giving anything away to say that the, a significant element of the film is about violence, domestic violence and also, in a manner of speaking, kind of the violence that is going on in society as a whole in terms of a lack of opportunity. That's also sort of a, a subtext to what's going on here in Minding the Gap. Your thoughts on, on that? Well, um, one thing that I did while making this film um, was I took a 40-hour domestic violence course. I was the only guy in the course. And there was, uh, you know, it, it was 
I learned a lot from that. Um, but one of the things that always sticks with me was that it's a myth that violence only happens in homes in working class families or in families of color. Mm-hmm. It happens across the spectrum and it's everywhere. I was, I wanted to be really careful not to, I wanted to be really careful both to be truthful to what Rockford is, which is, you know, a Rust Belt city with not a lot of opportunity, high unemployment, very high crime rates, um, while also not pinning, you know, what was going on with these boys as they faced obstacles in growing up. You know, I, I didn't want to pin those obstacles on just socioeconomics alone. I really wanted to highlight intergenerational trauma and situations at home and also the way that young men learn how to express or not express emotions. I really wanted to highlight those as obstacles in the film. And I, yeah, you're absolutely right. And and thank you for, for, for clarifying that. I, I, I think just to sort of take a, that point a little bit further. And that is, it is about, it's often about it's violence perpetrated by, by fathers on their family on, uh, and and also in the in relation to their spouses generally it is as you say and this is a film about sort of mask what is masculinity what are, what are the role as Zach as a father and coming to coming to terms with that but there is an awful lot of the violence being perpetrated by men older men father figures if you will and you're you're right it it, go, it goes across all socioeconomic um um categories and it's very powerful part of the of the story, uh, and it is consistent. I think, as you've said, it's consistent about across the across the board. It, but one element that I think that people that are in Zach's position and others in the film is the resources and the to deal with it. Is that unfair? I mean, the fact that they don't have sort of uh, they don't have the economic opportunities. Now, maybe it has nothing to do with that. Maybe I'm just um, rambling on here, but is is that have an impact on it? Sort of the the opportunity for uh, for resources available to them. Yes, it, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't I didn't mean to um, you know uh, sort of cut short uh, your comment about how, how socioeconomics plays into their lives because it does. It ultimately, it does. Um, it's in the ether, and yes, that's absolutely one of the ways in which it affects how violence per- perpetuates. You know, there there isn't a lot of resources here. You know, it's there's a lack of funding for for programs here. But you know, to to put to put it back into masculine script, sure. You know, one of the main one of the main pillars of being being a man is you know being able to provide for your family, being able to work and make money. Yeah. You know, and that's one of the things. If that pillar is knocked down, you know, like there's more frustration. Um, there's, there's, a, there's a little bit more hurt from, you know, not feeling like, you know, you're being the man that you're supposed to be. And what I'm talking about is specifically reflected in one of the characters, Zach, you know, and that is a real factor in his life. Yeah. Well, oh, and one of the other things, too, you know, we, we've talked a lot about violence so far, but, you know, <laughs> I wanted to find a way to make a film that really painted a picture of the complexities of domestic violence, but also make the film entertaining. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because yes. I think I've seen so much media about domestic violence and it's like the emotional tone is just so dark and dreary throughout. But if you experience it or if you have experienced it, it doesn't mean that, you know, your life doesn't have hope, joy or laughter in it. So, you know, like this film and its journey that it takes you on sort of puts you in the shoes of people who are living with this. And there's a lot of moments of laughter throughout the film. 
Yes, there are. It, well, these are wonderful personalities that you have in the film. These people are, you know, live and breathe and have joy and and struggle, but they're full. They're fully formed in the film. I mean, we understand and we get to know them and we get to appreciate who they are. Well, the film opens. I want to let people know the film opens at the Lemley Monica Film Center uh, this week, uh, Friday, uh, August seventeenth. I want to thank you so much for the film. This is just such a wonderful film, wonderful documentary film. The film, again, is Minding the Gap, and the director is uh, Bing Lu. And Bing, thank you so much for, for being here on Film School. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.